Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast in your week in IndyCar guest show. That's right. We've already done one guest show this week. The man we lovingly refer to as Harry Lunatic, a.k.a. Ari Leyendijk. We did your listener Q&A show, doing a bit of a special one here on a Friday. Also, a somewhat compact episode. We'll see how long, maybe 30 minutes or so. Talking about esports, iRacing, sim racing with the man, Ben Bretzman, who says readily, winning the Indy 500 with Simon Pagano, meh. Winning the 2016 IndyCar Championship with Simon Pagano, eh, whatever. Winning the Michigan IndyCar iRacing Challenge last Saturday, greatest accomplishment of his career. Hi. <laughs> that was an intro. Huh? Uh, thank you. Thank you. That was good. That was good. Yeah, the Michigan 275. I mean, that, that ranks right up there with the best of them, really. You know, um, the, your talks of potential retirement after it, realizing that you could never top it. You know, I'd say a little premature, but I feel you. Um, <laughs> kidding aside, I love the fact that despite the beloved Frenchman, the guy you and I love, Despite his win and all of his craziness and spraying champagne all over himself and his dog licking him in the mouth afterwards, <laughs> uh, the reactions that I've loved have been from a lot of sim racers who've said, holy cow, we need to get Ben Bretzman on the phone because his kind of narration during the races with Simon, his coaching, what we assume is some really good engineering input on chassis setup and whatnot, can't really change it but uh we'll, we'll we'll underplay that a bit but folks said hey heck with that pagano guy we need bretzman on to talk about sim racing and so let's get started here my man let's go with shauna oakwood says ben this is really important by the way uh do you also have to wear your race gear now for luck and it says well simon keep wearing the race suit since it seemed to work at michigan and has he taken it off since then uh well those are both great questions um uh, I, in fact, Simon has taken it off. That's that's a good thing. Um, I think Haley is his wife is uh, very happy about that. Um, am I going to wear? Oh, I don't know. I've actually been trying. To, I've been getting into the, this streaming broadcasting world. I've been trying to mix up my outfits a little bit and uh, you know put on some fun hats and fun shirts. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what we do uh, do tomorrow. But I, I don't think I'll have my team gear on. In the room that I'm in, it gets so hot in there when I close the doors to do all this, um, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> it might be too much for me, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Simon does love to, um, get fully committed to his craft and his, uh, and his sponsors. So, um, you get, you guys are getting to see the, uh, the, uh, the fun side of Simon Pagano there. The full expression of his, uh, curious brain. Let's go to a serious one from Bryce Ambrecht says, Ben, what are the challenges associated with your role with Simon in iRacing events compared to real-life IndyCar events? That's another good one. Uh, internet connections. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that are similar, and there's a lot of things that are very, very different. Um, I think just, you know, the 30,000-foot view from an airplane looking down at it, the, um, well, the things that are very similar are, you know, the the drivers and the people that we're driving against all act very similar to how they do in the real world. So, 
um, we when we approach a race, we can kind of approach um, how we're going to strategize a race or how he's going to drive a race against his competitors, very similar to how they do in the real world. Um, the races themselves play a little bit differently than they do in in real life. Um, there's more crashes in iRacing just because the drivers don't have as much feedback on, on what the car is doing right. And they, they don't have as, as good of a sense of proximity to other cars either. Um, I think it's hard for them to know. You know, you you can watch a race at Texas. Um, I know, you know, they've been replaying some of these races, and they show the 2016 Texas race. And you know, there's three cars with three inches apart from each other. You know, for two or three laps there, it's extremely hard to do that in in high racing and in and in in the virtual environment. So, you know, I think uh, that part of it leads itself to more crashes. What ends up happening is the races play out a bit differently than they do in real life, um, but that said, you still you still use the same thought processes and same strategy decision making processes as you would in real life. It's just a different you know you, you have to think about it differently than you would and um, how the real world works. Um, how I talk to him, I don't know if, if if people have seen our streams. Obviously, we we stream out and uh, him and I during practices and during the race how we would talk to each other and. Uh, um, that communication is all very, very similar to how we would talk on, on a real race weekend or during a real race. Uh, how, what kind of information he's looking for? Um, you know, we've uh, us in real life on the timing stand. We have all this information coming in um, that that we have to filter through and decide what does the driver really need to know and what does he does he not need to know? Because you don't want to overwhelm the driver mentally with the. Uh, uh, all this information that he has to take time to process and it might not matter to him. Right. So, you know, I work as a, as a middle person essentially from what's the race, how is the race playing out? How's the race strategy playing out? And then how do, what does Simon need to know in this strategy? And all that's, all that goes back and forth, just, uh, I racing and virtual world to real world. That's all the same communication. And, uh, I think that's, that's the thing. It's the nicest thing about I racing right now is that, keeping those communication lines open. I mean, we have been in a race, you know, since Laguna Seca um, last September. So yeah. uh, this, this is a, a nice way for us to keep our communication open, keep, you know, keep our dialect and how we talk to each other going. And um, maybe we'll even learn something from it. So um, it's, uh, you know, I think that's, that, that's a good practice for us. Let's go to a couple that are similar here. One from Gabe Argenta. One from Steve Grinstead, who says, Mr. Bretzman, given the iRacing for IndyCar uh, challenges using pre-configured car setups, is there one thing you would like to see them allow you to change? And one thing uh, maybe only that all the drivers could call for changes. He also says, as a follow-up, is there any car or track you think uh, you might be able to race on and beat Simon in in iRacing? Those are both good questions. Uh, Honestly, the biggest thing I would like is I'm I'm okay with the with the spec setup thing because I think it's just gonna if if it goes to where it's more open you're gonna have to really um, the drive basically because the pressure is gonna come from the drivers to push back onto the teams to help them out and you don't know we don't know the situation of all the teams and how how they can help their drivers in this current you know worldwide situation we've got right now so I don't know if it's necessarily fair because you might have someone 
one driver that can have an engineer and really work through a, a setup where another driver can't because of however their situation is. So I think the one thing I would like to see is, is just in cockpit adjustment. So, you know, front and rear anti-roll bars um, and on the ovals having the weight checker. I think having those those cockpit adjustments would be really beneficial. And um, I think that would be fun just because then you still keep it in the driver's hands to learn about it. Um, and have I ever beat Simon? The answer to that is actually yes. Uh, so Simon and I used to do a lot of driving together back in 2011, 2012 on high racing when he was just getting back in IndyCar. Um, he hadn't spent a lot of time at these tracks or didn't know them. And, and, and so we would actually particularly oval racing. I mean, his first oval race was the Indianapolis 500 in 2012. So, um, we, we would spend a lot of nights just driving on iRacing to, to get his, um, you know, feeling of the racetrack, learning racetracks and, and getting a better understanding of, of how to drive with traffic on ovals. And a lot of times I, it's actually funny. I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was looking through it. Uh, every time I would beat him, I would take a picture of it on my phone and I'd send it to him. <laughs> so I've got a, I've got a list from like 2012 of all these pictures of where I out, either out qualified him or, or out them, so please send <laughs> um, me one so i can include that when we tweet this episode out i mean we just need to put that guy course. in his place we look the real secret is you know you you think of some of the stars you see in movies or on tv and they're made up to look amazing i mean just almost inhuman it's not natural <laughs> it's the support team around them with the makeup and the clothes and the this it's hours of getting them ready to look that good Simon Pagano is the same as a motor racing driver. Really? Eh, it's okay. You got to bolt on, you know, uh, Trevor Lacasse is a crew chief. You got to get Ben Bretzman as a race engineer. There's a lot of people that make him look good. So I'm glad we finally exposed that guy for what he truly is. Oh, he's going to send me the nastiest text. I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> Look, if you can't roast your friends, why have friends? Uh, exactly. I, think, I think Gandhi said that, Martin Luther King. I always get that one a little bit mixed up. Uh, <laughs> let's go to our pal, Philip Schmitz. He says, Ben, being both a real engineer in IndyCar and in iRacing, what, if anything, can you take from iRacing and use to help Simon on real racetracks? Um, you know, you got you to gotta decide what, what you can. I mean, that's, that's the hard thing that the actual setups that we run, I think if you bolted those onto a real race car, you'd either crash instantly or it, the driver would complain so much. It, it wouldn't be right. Like it, it's the, the setups that we drive in iRacing are like nowhere close to the real life. Um, a lot of that comes from just the information that, that iRacing has to draw from, right? They, they, they're not inside of a race team and, to get, you know, information on how aero maps of how the cars are, engine maps of how the engines are, or um, any information on tires they can get. They're not they're not there to get this, and certainly the race teams are not going to give this up. Um, so they have to kind of do it the best they can. I think Delara has helped them um, through the years with some information, um, but it's, it's hard with limited limited input into their model making and their vehicle dynamics program to really make um, that big of a, you know, that close of a model. Um, but I think you can still take other aspects out of it, um, whether it is, like we talked about, track learning, um, whether it is just working on your communication. Um, I think we can take those things um, 
you know, like I said, this this practice with Simon being able to work with him every week is is very beneficial. So that's sort of thing we're taking out of this, and then you know, see where we where where we show up when we when we first get when we get back to racing again. But I think anytime we can we can work together, it's a positive. I like it that right as you say communication, your phone started to cut out again because you know <laughs> irony is just a space I constantly live in. Uh, let's let's go to Mark uh, Lashore. Says, "Hey MP, hey Ben. Question for Ben: Is Simon the first non-American guy you've worked with? Uh, any fun min mis min understandings? I can't even mispronounce misunderstandings correctly." Any fun misunderstandings between you two, considering English is not his mother language? Uh, that's a good question. I, believe it or not, I think I could count on my hand the amount of American drivers I've worked with. Yeah. I haven't worked with many American drivers, um, but myself directly. I mean, obviously, at, at Team Penske, we've got uh, Joseph uh, Newgarden there, but he, I'm not directly on his car. Um, guys that I've worked directly with have been mostly non-American, um, you know, uh, basically, Marco Andretti, Brian Herta, Mark Martin. Wow. Um, I'm probably missing somebody, <laughs> but that might be about it. Um, and most so of those everybody... were in sports cars, not uh, not necessarily. Well, uh, granted, it'd be awesome if Mark Martin was in a Acura AR ARX-01B or whatever that you engineered in the ALMS, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've, actually had, I've actually had a lot of French... Uh, a lot of French drivers, uh, the, the unfortunate passing of Richard Philippe and um, Frank Montagny and, uh, and Simon Pagenaud. So I've had, I've had a lot of different French guys and um, obviously both the Frankies and the Brazilians and um, all sorts of funny things. So, uh, you know, listening to the, the different uh, dialects and, and all the different things, Simon's come a long way. He, uh, he when he first came over to, to America, he didn't... Um, he didn't pick up on sarcasm. That's always the thing I, I noticed. And, um, the, the late uh, John Anderson did a good job of uh, trying mm. to in, in, include sarcasm and, and teach the initial groundwork of, of sarcasm to him. And then that was basically been my job since then uh, is to, uh, you know, teach him how, how sarcasm works in the, in the English language. And, and uh, he's, he's, we, we understand each other pretty darn well now. Um, every year that goes by, he, he keeps getting better and better. I mean, his, his English is great. It, it's just always the little, the little things that, that, you know, if you grow up in a certain environment and, you know, location and you just might not have ever picked up. So, um, it's just, that's, that's where it's kind of down to the point of, there might be somebody from New Hampshire that says something that I don't understand, but that's kind of where it's just, we're in the same country. It's just those little things now, you know, that, that are the differences, but for the most part, he's, he's come a long way. <laughs> He has, yes. Uh, I love, well, how's this? Each year, he loses a little bit more of the Jean Girard accent from Talladega <laughs> Nights, so it's, which is sad. Uh, I mean, good on him, but uh, yeah, we don't ever want that accent fully gone. Uh, let's <laughs> see. Let's go to Adam Crane. This is congrats on the win at Michigan, Ben. Uh, it was comical seeing you calm Simon down as he kept saying that he wasn't going to make it on fuel. He says, as an aside to my question, do you find Simon more involved in the race strategy side while uh, sim racing, since he's not as say preoccupied with the experience of actual driving? Uh, yeah, uh, that was 
for those who didn't watch then it got very stressful at the end of that race uh um at michigan it, um there's basically obviously the big crash at the beginning of the race and then um it was about five laps of caution and then it was pretty easy to figure out as an 85 lap race and, and you kind of knew well we knew from just testing that you could run about 40 laps in in traffic so it instantly turned into you know basically one more stop from the end of that caution race for us um i was actually surprised more people didn't kind of pick up on that and so we we just kind of went into full save mode and um and got to the end well we finished the race with about you know, like three tenths of a gallon in the tank or so so it was tight but we, we finished the race and uh but simon uh because just like you said it he he's got more time um he's got in the sim environment he's he's not i guess as immersed right so he's got time to kind of look around and see what's happening so he uh, he's able to look and see how much fuel is in the car which he doesn't he doesn't really have the opportunity to do that in real life in real life he doesn't he doesn't really have a good gauge of how much fuel is in the car um and in in this instance he can right so i think he got his lap count messed up in his head and 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 how much fuel we burn per lap at Michigan. So it was about two to go. He looked down and thought that we weren't going to make it and that, that we were all messed up. And so we had to talk him back off the ledge there and, and tell him that he was fine and going to make it. So um, to answer your question, yeah, he, he does spend a little more time worrying about strategy just because I think, one, the information's there, and, and two, it's, it's uh, you know, I guess not as physically taxing on him in the simulator. So he, you know, so he's got – time and, and, and the ability to do that, um, to, to worry about it more. Simon Pagino with free time. That is something we worry about quite, <laughs> quite often. Uh, Lord, uh, let's get to just a couple more questions. Like I said, not meant to do the big old long, uh, version today, just kind of a fun, hopefully breezy, but, uh, educational and, uh, educational version with our man, Ben, we're going to stick here with Adam crane. Uh, it says, Ben, what element of IndyCar racing do you think iRacing would benefit from in terms of more accurate modeling? Uh, it says, do you think it might be on the fuel mix side, which is known to not be as powerful as real life? Or do you think tire compounds uh, also mentions, please yell at them to release a new tire model version 7 on the IndyCar. Uh, it's already been released on a number of cars. <laughs> and we cure a lot of what drivers are complaining about with a lack of rear recovery and control. So... I don't know if you're stuck in that deep, my man, but it'd be interesting to hear if uh, if you got to go and spend, say, a week at iRacing's headquarters to try and tune a few things up on the realism side. Anything stand out? I think one of them was one of the things you said. I think if you could add, have both compounds in there, that's such a big deal for our real-life racing. Um, the, the strategy that the strategy of knowing the the two compounds and how to use them, when to use them really makes or breaks your races every weekend. And that, that's a pretty big element to, um, that they could add to have. And I think that would be, that'd be a really impressive thing to be able to do. Um, I mean, outside of that, they're doing a, they're doing a good job with what they've got. I mean, yeah, you can always make the tire model better. Um, you know, it's something we as race teams we we work on our simulation tire models all the time, right? And then so the the the, the vehicle dynamics engineers at, at iRacing are they continue to make that better um, and get as much real you know the more feedback they could get from 
uh, real life drivers, I think would help them a lot in that, in that, uh, realm. Cause that's the best uh, way to kind of understand what the tire is doing and, and, and understand what, what the car needs right from the tire. And so I say you get more of better feedback loop from real drivers. Um, but man, like adding compounds would be massive, um, cause the racing would be so much fun to, to do and, and really have to strategize when you use what and make the most of it, you know? Absolutely. Why don't we go? Da, 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 da. Why don't we go with? Let's go with Todd Michaels here. Dear Ben, why didn't you stop me from growing three wide at Sebring on the first lap for the lead against and crashing into Oriole Servia in your old GTR2 league? The resulting cursing out that Servia gave me in Spanish left me sad and confused as I only speak English and French clearly your fault you know i mean you got to own up to this one you should have told todd better yeah yeah we used to before i racing actually we used to have what uh, the, what the uh, sim we used was called gtr2 i and, played uh, that thing to death mine, back uh, in the day i loved it oh yeah yeah exactly we used to uh, a good friend of mine that works actually at hpd now um we used to used to work at Forsyth together and then we both worked at andretti also and um we used to make our own cars, so we'd we'd sit and this is what dorky race engineers do, right? We'd sit and uh, make our own aero, fictitious aero maps up and make our own fictitious you know engine maps up and use GTR as our platform, uh, and we'd make some different packages and cars up, and then we we had a big group of uh, people to get in leagues with, and Serbia was in it with us and having having fun of course we'd be at work and so and then survey would be texting all day about you know set of questions and how to do this while he's while the rest of us are actually working so um, it was it was a fun thing to do and it's just it's very similar to what we're doing now with this iRacing challenge you know it was it was a, it was a, a fun league to get everybody together with and, and, and Todd uh, was a friend of ours from Florida so he was in it with us also and yeah it was uh, you know sim racing aggression um, we had some with Simon today even uh, you can get lots of aggression out of even simulated world. <laughs> wow. All right. Let's go with one final question here. I mean, Ryan Turks just sent in a bunch. I'm just trying to figure one that's uh, a little less stream of consciousness. Um, da, da, da. There we go. He asks you, Ben, any interest in doing some driving on the sim? And, and I guess, you know, knowing that you've done enough sim racing in the past home-based i'm just gonna bump ryan's question up to like the chevy simulator or delara simulator the real huge driver in the loop side is that something you would want to do have you even done that and i don't know it uh yeah i mean the answer is that's yeah. yeah i've done a little bit of it uh um i mean i enjoy it like whether that's all the big the big driver in the loop stuff or uh um I racing or anything. I mean, that's, I grew up, um, you know, my first racing games were all the papyrus NASCAR race racing and grand prix, right. In the, in the, in the early days. And I grew up when I was little, little, and that's what got me into go-karting really. And then that started my career. Right. So anytime I can jump on any of these things, um, I'll take the advantage and do it. And it's really, honestly, I think the biggest thing, and I, I always tell this to, um, you know, upcoming engineers that are in motorsport. Um, I think B 
being able to drive on any simulator and getting to learn tracks and getting good enough at it that you can have a reasonable discussion with a racing driver, a professional real life racing driver and understand what he is talking about is that's been a huge deal in my career. And, you know, understanding, you know, if he talks about a certain bump at a certain racetrack, or if he talks about no matter what, you can't get the understeer out here. Um, it's because you've also experienced it in a similar type car at the same track. And, you know that and you can relate to the driver so well. Um, so, you know, for me growing up doing all that stuff early in my life really helped, you know, create like a backbone of, of, um, my engineering and how I go about talking to drivers, um, and, and really understanding what they're trying to explain to me. And so I, I you know, I think anyone that's in particularly in motorsport, if you can have a chance to, get on any simulator um whether it's you know the multi-million dollar boys or even just a laptop with a steering wheel on a car you know a card table <laughs> the more you can do it the, and do it in the environment that you're talking with your racing driver is it's a big deal. firm believer and it might not be 100 percent accurate but you 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 know you know what the driver's talking about once you experience it for yourself. And then you can use your engineering background and try to figure out how to fix the problem. But you know exactly what he's talking about. And it makes it that, that discussion that you have with the driver, it makes it so much easier because you don't have to talk as much um, about it because you, you've, you've experienced it. Amen. If you cannot drive a race car in real life, being able to do this in a simulated capacity is only going to help you as a race engineer. I have a dream, Ben, of holding a sim racing competition for fellow engineers like yourself. Get all of us together and do some sim racing. The only change, no, we're not talking sim rigs and steering wheels. I'm talking about one of the tools that I had to use in the early 90s playing Grand Prix 1 and Grand Prix 2, joystick. So I want to do some form oh, of yeah. joystick-based sim racing. Could it be old GP1, GP2? Who knows? It might be even funnier to try and do it on yeah. iRacing, but that's what I want to see. Yeah, okay, either great. That or, uh, either, <laughs> either that or Bill Elliott's NASCAR challenge using the keyboard. See? I'm, a, I'm a pro at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is awesome. Mr. Bretzman, thanks as always for uh, making time for me and our listeners. And uh, A, you're awesome. And B, as soon as we can get back to real racing, look forward to having you back on. And we can talk about, you know, them, uh, them really, really, really loud Indy cars and do some more of this engineering conversation that folks tend to really enjoy when you bring it to them. Sounds Yeah, thanks so much. No, thanks for having me. And as always, yeah, it's, uh, I can't wait to get back to the real track. But uh, until then, we'll be at the virtual ones. And thanks again to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com and Bell Racing Helmets USA for all they do.